kind of go through what, what we're doing. I've been challenging, and I'm going to continue to challenge, I'm going to challenge you today to come every service hungry. And I don't want to get so caught up on, on, in, in churchy terms that you're like, okay, I'm already hungry. It's about 12 o'clock, so I definitely came hungry. And so just to break it down, what I'm saying come hungry is, is the way I think of it. In my walk with the Lord, I recognize who I am. And I recognize how many faults I've got. And I recognize every week there is struggle after struggle after struggle. There's new things that pop up we deal with, and it's frustrating, it's stressful, it brings heartache, it brings anger, it brings pain. And every week, each one of us has the same story. And so when I say come hungry to service, I mean in worship. And that's what we saw this morning. We saw some hungry people worshiping the Lord this morning. And when we come hungry and when we worship, what I mean is that when you're singing these songs, you're not thinking about lunch. You're not thinking about the games this afternoon. You're not thinking about what do you have to do tomorrow, maybe Monday morning, you got assignment due. Maybe you got to go home and do homework. I don't Maybe tomorrow you got a big project. I don't know, but you're not thinking about those things. When you come to service, we're thinking about him. We're thinking about how much he means to us. And we're singing these words. You're singing, I hear you call. I'm available. And so you're just saying, I'm available. And so you're letting the Lord know how much you need him. How much you need him just to survive this coming week, how much you need him. How much you need him because what you went through the past week. And so every song we sing, you're singing it not to your neighbor, not to, to the, the worship leaders. You're singing it out of your heart because you're hungry for God to do these things in your life. You're hungry for him to use you. You want him to know that he, you're available to him so he can use you. And so, and so we, we may just hang out sometimes like we did this morning. And just hang out in the present, and, and that's okay. Some of you are incredibly uncomfortable with hanging out. You got to get used to hanging out. It's fun. It's just you know you just you just just hang out. And there's times like this morning. I I literally want and I I just wanted to sit down and just close my eyes. Because I recognize in the moment that the presence of the Lord, <laughs> hello, the creator of the heavens and the universe, graces with his presence this morning. And the more you think of that, the more overwhelming it can get. And so that's what I'm saying today. Like today was one of those mornings. I sort of sit down, close my eyes. And just bask in his presence. Because I know some of you out there, some of you are like super Christians. I mean, you get the 30, 30 year Sunday school pen. I need that. I need to be in his presence. I need to feel his love like I did this morning. I didn't know that. He chose this morning to come down to spend a little time with me. I'm telling you, that could fix a whole lot of things you got going on in your life if you just take a moment to recognize what's happening. And that's what happened this morning. 
And that's why I want to challenge you as you come next Sunday morning. Come hungry. Hungry that you need him. Hungry that you recognize that this week you probably lost your temper. Hungry you need him. Come on. Hungry, I need more patience. If, if you was with the, the, the second Sunday of January, we, we went to the, the Fruits of the Spirits, and we asked you to pick one and pray about and focus on one this year. And if your one was, was patience, I guarantee you got tested Monday morning on that. And that's why I'm saying the, the hungry part, that I, I, man, I need more of him. I want to know how far he's going to take. Like, there's parts of him I've never seen before. I want to know those parts. And that's why I want to challenge you every Sunday to come hungry. And that's what we're talking about, the fast. We're starting a fast today, a seven-day fast. And I would like to invite you to go on it with us. You don't have to. We're not pressuring you into anything. Um, but I would like to invite you to go on a fast for the next seven days. What does it do? It creates hunger inside of you. Most people, when they, when they think of fast, you automatically go to food and, and your, your heart starts racing because food is like your first love. And so it doesn't have to be food. It can be food. Whatever the Lord lays upon your heart to pick, television, soda, coffee, I don't know. But I pray that you join us. And the reason for fasting simply is positioning ourselves basically at the feet of Jesus. Because what happens throughout your day when you decide to fast something, when you decide to give something up, when you go to reach for that thing, when you go to eat, or whenever, whatever you, whatever you fast, or whenever you go for that thing, should be a red flag that goes off. It says, oh, you know what? I need to spend time with Jesus. Maybe you're at work. You say, well, I can't, Pastor. I, well, you could say a prayer real quick, can't you? You could take out your Bible, your, your phone, look at you version, uh, uh, a scripture up real quick if you wanted to. And so just throughout your day, and so if you do that multiple times throughout your day, come on, for seven days, that's going to create a hunger inside of you for more. I want more, I want more of what I just felt this morning. I want, I want more of that. And that's what we're, we hope that happens in this seven-day fast, is that you would pray about joining us, you join us, and then see what God's going to do. Because we're believing God for some amazing things in 2023, and they're not going to happen unless we have a body of believers who are hungry for the Lord. And a great way to get involved, I want to invite my wife up to, to make a quick announcement, but this is a great way to get involved and to, to become hungry, is attend our next women's event. All right. I'm just going to invite all of the ladies here, if you would are interested in women's retreat. It's February 17th through the 19th. We have about 10 spots left is what I have. And so I wanted to make sure that you knew that in case you were thinking about it and maybe we're thinking you might hold a hub for a little while. If you are kind of interested, come talk to me so I can be sure that you have a place um, to come. We want everyone to come who wants to come. So let me know if we end up going over, we can make a call and try to get another condo, but I can't guarantee that. So I will do that because I want you to come. Um, but if you're certain that you want to come and just haven't told me yet, please let me know after church today so that I can hold your spot. It's going to be a great time. If you've not been to women's retreat, we do have some services. We have some time just for visiting. We have free time on Saturday that you can shop or nap or hang out. 
whatever you love. Um, and so we have lots of different things. Um, but it's really the best part of it is a spiritual renewal that we all experience every single time, no matter who's speaking or who's in the room with us. We always experience Jesus when we go. And so if you need just a renewal of your heart, of your spirit, if you need connection with other ladies, please come to this because it will definitely not disappoint. All right. Thank you. Amen, amen. Hey, this morning we're in Acts. If you're new with this, what we do is we, uh, we pray and fast and, and, and land on a Bible, a book of the Bible that we go through, we walk through basically. And so we are currently in Acts. We've been in Acts for quite a while. We're in Acts chapter 17 today. And what we do is we just kind of walk through the chapter. And so this morning we're going to look at the first nine verses. Before I start that though, how many baseball fans do we have in here? There's a few, all right, there's a few, there's a few. So if you are a baseball fan, you probably heard of uh, the Oakland A's. You know, it's un- unimaginable to think anything good comes out of California, but the Oakland A's, you know, they, they, they're decent. They were decent back in the 90s, you know, they, were, they were, had some good times, had some good players. But, uh, hey, Terry, my mic is like really hot. Can we bring it down just a little bit? Thank you, sir, appreciate that. In the 90s, though, they, they got a new general manager for the A's. They kind of took a slump. They weren't winning a lot of games, so they wanted to change things up. So they got a new general manager, and the general manager's name was Billy Bean. And if you're, a fact of, if, you're, if you're a fan of baseball, you may have seen the movie Moneyball. And so they made a movie about this guy, what he did to the Oakland A's. And so he did something really, it was at the time, cutting edge. And so basically what he did, his first, one of his first moves was, Excuse me. He brought in assistant manager, and you think you're an assistant general manager? He's going to be like a baseball just an icon, you know. He know everything. He brings in a nerd, basically. Really has no knowledge of baseball. He just brings that in this nerd. He's very analytical. He's very statistic. And what they did, they start to do is is baseball is really centered on wins and losses. Home runs. Every team wanted a home run hitter, right? And so what they did, instead of focusing on the wins and losses, they started fo- focusing on percentages. So they started looking at different players' percentages, like on-base on stats and, and the, the runs knocked in. And I mean, just they just start, all the different stats, they started focusing on these. Then they started building a team based on these stats. And so they, they didn't necessarily look for the ones everybody wanted, and then some players they picked were even considered washed up. But they began to create a team around these stats. And what they happened is they started dominating. And so they were looking at player, the matrix of the players. And so what happens is from that, all their sports fell in line. They started doing the same thing. Like, okay, let's look at this. And so there was even a, 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 a British cycling team who were failures. I mean, they were the laughing stock of the country because they, they stunk so bad. This one gentleman came in. He took over. He said this. He goes, I was, I was, I was challenged to change everything to do by 1%. Like, that's not a lot. Like, some of you, you know, cry at giving 10% of your tithes. So you'd be excited about 1%, right? One percent, think about one percent. I mean, that's nothing. But he said, you know what? If I could change everything to do by one percent, 
everything they ate, the, how they slept. He even, he even painted the interior of the van uh, that the team rode in white because of one percent. It was just crazy. Five years after doing this one percent all the time, guess what? They dominated. I mean, one of the Olympics, uh, I want to say it was maybe 2009, they won like 60% of the medals in their category. All because of 1%. And so this morning, I need to hurry and you're thinking, how in the world is this applied to Acts chapter 17? I'm going to show you, because I think what Paul illustrates in this chapter is that uh, perspective matters, right? That our perspective matters, and even what we measure matters. And I think it was told how to view our mission a little different perspective, because sometimes we get hung up on wins and losses. Sometimes we get hung up on, on, on how many's here on a Sunday, you know, services starts, there's seven of you out here. It's hard not to get hung up on that. But everybody fills in and we get a good group, right? But a lot of churches, a lot of people, they get hung up on the wins and losses. When it really comes down to a matter of being faithful and obedient to share the good news. And here's what we need to understand. Following Jesus is going to open doors for the gospel. Following, if you're following Jesus, it automatically open, opens doors for the gospel. And if we focus on him, then the doors are going to open. And, and so I want to start with this fundamental, uh, oh, I just messed up on this first there. Foundationally statement, foundational statement that we're framing everything this morning around. And it's this, following Jesus should position us for intentional conversations. Following Jesus should uh, position us for intentional conversations. And we're talking about, we're, we're going to look at the 1% today. And some of you, as we go through this, you're going to be like, oh, come on, Pastor. Because the 1% isn't flashy. The 1% isn't dynamic. The 1% isn't the home runs. But if we do these 1%, it's going to position us to have intentional conversations with people. And so that's what we see Paul doing in response to the Macedonians' call that we read in chapter 16. And now he's being obedient He's following God. God positions him in, in the new, new area. Look at verses 1 through 4 with this. Now, when they passed through the Amicpilis and the Apollon, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. So Paul goes to Thessalonica. And what you need to, think, need to understand about where he's at is it's a booming metropolis, right? It's a huge city, about probably 200,000 people are there at this time. It's a major city in the area. And so throughout history, you can also see kind of who makes up this city, and it paints a pretty cool picture. What we learn is there's barbarians there, it came from the south, and so of course the barbarians brought in their pagans, their pagan gods, their pagan religions, their culture. The Greeks came up from the south also, and they brought this new, fresh uh, wave of modern philosophy with them, right? And then there's the Romans. They settled there from the west. Many of them were retired soldiers who served the Roman guard. And, of course, the, the Jews came in from the east, 
they settled there. When they settled there, they established a synagogue there. And they brought in with them the ideals of this ethnical, this monotheistic faith with them. And they even brought in some national prejudice with them. And so this is what makes up this city. And you see it's kind of a hodgepodge of just all kinds of people, all kinds of religion. I think it's important for us to recognize, though, that God positioned Paul there. God sent him there. And I can't help but encourage each of you and ask you this question, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you at the job you have right now? Why are you in the neighborhood you're at right now? I mean, do you acknowledge that you're positioned here on purpose? Think about it. I mean, Paul simply obeyed God, and that's where God positioned him. And you and I, we must acknowledge, regardless of circumstances, I'm here for a reason. I'm telling you, if you can acknowledge that you're here for a reason, that changes a lot of things in your life. I mean, when I submit to that and I trust that God has put me here, I'm going to see things through a different picture, am I? Think of your job, the job you hate. Okay, but what if God puts you there? On purpose. Like, well, God hates me. No, that's not what we're saying. Now you go into the same job you had with this attitude. You know what? God placed me here. That changes That changes how you respond to people, doesn't it? That changes how you work at your job, doesn't it? Because now you're not there because you hate the place and they hate you and everybody's on the same page. No, you're there because God placed you there. You're there for a purpose. You're there for a reason. That neighbor you can't stand, guess what? God placed them in your life for a reason. Okay, well, maybe that changes your attitude towards that neighbor now. Now you can't be so grumpy at that guy because God placed them in your life for a reason. Yeah, you got to be nice to the guy. I mean, it changes your perspective, doesn't it? I mean, how could we submit to God's mission and then every day, as everyday missionaries, Carry out hope to the world. Understanding God places us here, that's how. Understanding where you're at right now, God placed you there. All right, so let's look at this more deeply in Acts chapter 17. This is what matters the most. And what matters the most, here's the 1%, is talking about Jesus and having gospel conversations. Just having a gospel conversation. And in verse in chapter 17, we're going to see some components of what a gospel conversation looks like. And again, I want to challenge you, don't shut this down, because 1% is not flashy. But if you would agree to do this 1%, we're going to see amazing things happen in Brighton in 2023. Here's the first thing, here's the first step to a gospel conversation. It's going to blow your mind, I promise. Have a conversation. Like, I came to church for this. This way, it gets better. Have a conversation. I mean, think about it, the difference between delivering a message and having a conversation. Right now, I'm delivering a message, right? It's a one-way communication. Conversation, guess what? Some of you need to hear this. Two-way street. I mean, sometimes you got to shut up. And you got to listen. 
That's what a conversation is. In fact, if you're in the habit of writing your Bible, I encourage you to underline this, circle it, highlight it, whatever. The word reason there, he says he reasoned with them. It's literally translated to be the word discuss or converse. I mean, he had a conversation with them. Paul had a conversation with them. He discussed with them. It's a two-way street. He talked to them. He listened. And so that means he wasn't just speaking. He was listening, right? I mean, I'll give you some areas. Like, here's the easiest way for all you introverts who are like shutting up right now and shaking. Here's the easy way. Here's a start of conversation. Find some common ground, right? Common ground. What's some common ground? A common ground could be uh, parenting. Right? It's just, not, hey, tell me about your family. You know their, their parents. You know they have a family. Ask them about their family. I mean, that's an easy way to find common ground. Hey, how's your family doing? What, what's happening with your kids? You know, I have kids. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe the, the kids in the house or my kids are out of the house or I have a new baby. Or, oh, yeah, I remember those. You know, just t- find some common ground. You connect with people through common ground like parenting or maybe it's a profession or maybe it's a trade. You start a conversation by like, oh, yeah, I worked there or I used to work there. I had a friend who worked there. I used to do that, or I had that job when I was in high school. I mean, just, again, just a common ground leading to a conversation. That's all we got to do is have a conversation. Or maybe the greatest common denominator, maybe the greatest common ground might be through pain. A whole lot of us can relate. We can find understanding. We can empathize. We can hurt together. Now that pain, maybe a conversation starts. Sometimes it's like, oh, I, I felt that before. I know what you're going through. And so we connect with people. I mean, we see the pain of those people that causes us to have a conversation because we're mutually concerned with what's happening there. But here's a great starting place. You've got to have a conversation. If we want others to hear our message, We've got to be willing to listen. And so again, 1%, have a conversation. So after you start a conversation, guess what the next one is? Open Scripture. Open the Word of God. I mean, we see it in our text, it says He opened Scripture. In the verse, end of verse 2 to transition to 3, He says He reasoned with them. He had a conversation with them. From the scripture explaining. I mean, you circle or underline and highlight whatever you do. That word there, it, it literally means to open up the word, explain, to open up the word of God. I mean, why, why is that important? Okay, we're having, a, we're having a gospel, remember, all under gospel conversation. All under gospel conversation, we're having a conversation, so why does it matter when we open scripture? Because if you're not willing in a conversation to open up the living, breathing Word of God, guess what? It's just a matter of wit and logic at that point. It's just a debate. And there comes a point where i got to direct you to Scripture. Like, this is what God says. And that's why I want to open up Scripture. Like, this is, hey, did I, you know, on my devotions day, I read this. You're never going to believe what God said to me. And you open up Scripture, you show them Scriptures as important to you. Or ask them, say, hey, you know, I read this, and this is what I think. What's your take on this Scripture? And you start conversing about Why? Because either you believe this is a living, breathing Word of God, or you don't. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 or 13, look at it. It says, for the, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than, any, any, than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Okay, you either believe this or you're not. If you believe this, it says the word of God is alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful. I mean, you talk about a great starting place. Show somebody that. Somebody that has no religious background say the word of God is alive and powerful. They're like, what? And then you just get to talk about the scriptures. Why? Because I believe the word of God that says it's alive and powerful. I believe the promises that are written in this thing are for me and for you. And I believe there's power in this. And so when you start that conversation and you point them to Scripture, something happens. Scripture tells us who Jesus is. I mean, Scripture offers evidence for his, resurrection, for his resurrection. It's relevant in every situation in life. And Scripture offers hope to this world. And we're carrying this message as an everyday missionary. So in that conversation, i got to find a way to point you to Scripture, to open up Scripture. I mean, think about it. Rather than preaching at people, I want them to see the living, breathing Word of God. Some of you know this to be true. Some of you try to pound people over the head with Scripture. It doesn't work out, does it? But yet, through a conversation, when you open up and say, man, I was just reading that the Word of God is alive and breathing. Start a conversation. Say, you know, I think there might be something to this. People are drawn to God's Word. Why? Because we talked about last week. Remember the story of Lydia? Lydia, it says, it says in Scripture, it says, He opened her heart. He opened their hearts. Through scripture. Beautiful example. Okay, so you start you start a conversation. A conversation where in which you listen to the person and then you point scripture out. Number three, offer proof over time. So you're having a conversation, you open scripture, and you offer proof over time. We see in verse two that Paul reasoned with them for three Sabbath days. Three weeks he had a conversation. Is over this time, he was just continuing to discuss the truth with them, right? And we see in the end of verse 3, it says, explaining and proving. And that word uh, proving literally means to place the truth before them. He's basically ba making a plate for them, presenting them with the truth. Luke's in another, in another place, he used that same word to describe a meal or something to eat. And so when we're reasoning with people, we're presenting scripture to them, we're opening God's word. We're speaking in the name of Christ. We're having a conversation. We're putting the truth before them in a way they can consume it. I mean, think about this. You have a two-year-old. You really want that two-year-old to taste meat. You don't throw a T-bone down in front of them, do you? No. I mean, that'd be fun to watch for a second and gum it to death or whatever they do, you know. What are you going to do with that meat? 
you're going to smash, you're going to mush that until it is unrecognizable as meat. And then you're going to feed it to the kid. And that's what we're, we're talking about here, the proof over time. Is that maybe week one, it's really, really simple. Maybe week two, it's a little bit more. Maybe week three, it's a little more complex. When you get the process, you know, every one of you know the process. They do it to you in school. Now you, all you didn't know, all you didn't come out of the womb and be able to figure where's X at in algebra, did you? No, you didn't know what X was. They had to tell you what X was. Then you go from there, right? I mean, that's how it works. That's the way they're talking about. It. This is the process that we're seeing here in the book of Acts, what Paul's given to them. Week one is simple. Week two is a little more challenging. Week three, he's proven it through Scripture in, 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 in digestible ways where they can eat it, little bites. The 14, and this is it, and I, I need to stop. Point to Christ. Point to Christ. He's not just saying, man, I care about you. That's why I'm doing this. No, he's saying Jesus Christ cares about you. That courage to speak his name. I mean, every conversation you have, you're dropping the name of Jesus. Why? Well, we believe, I believe there's power in these words. I believe Scripture tells us there's power in his name. To where every conversation, you're just dropping the name of Jesus. Man, you don't believe what Jesus did to me over the weekend. I was praying, and, he, and this happened. I lost my keys, and I was praying, and I found my keys. Give, I'm telling you, blame God for everything, right? And that way, you, you have reasons to speak his name in every conversation. You'll never believe it. I didn't know what to wear in Jesus. I know, maybe not that far. But I mean, just in everything you do, just giving Jesus credit. Bringing his name up, speaking his name. Why? Because there's power in his name. This is a gospel conversation. It's about me being faithful to present Christ. That's what it's about. That's exactly what it's about. That's the 1%. You're like, oh, Pastor, this is 1%. How many's doing the 1%? Don't raise your hand. I'm telling you, this is, this is what we have to get back to the 1%. I need to stop. What happens is it takes a crazy turn. The Jews do what they do best. They got a mob together. They come after the guys. They get them before the authorities. Here's what they say about them. This is the best part. They say this in, in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. They say this. <clears throat> they say, these men who have turned the world upside down come here also. I love that. He didn't say they had a great revival. They didn't say they had 3,000 people come to Christ. Paul's just having a gospel conversation. Paul's having a God. He's being faithful in the 1%. And look what they, how they describe these men by being faithful in the 1%. They turned the world upside down, and now they came here. Come on. Just by having a conversation, this is written about you? Are you kidding me? They turn the world upside down. So maybe back to the money ball deal. Maybe we just see a shift our focus, shift our perspective. It's not about the wins. It's not about the losses. It's about being faithful in the moment, being found faithful. Can I get the worship team? Come on back real quick. I mean, it causes me to ask, should we as a church, I mean, should we as God's people shift our perspective and become committed as ever to being outspoken and bold for him. Being committed to have gospel conversations. 
being committed to speak his name, being committed to bring God up in public, being committed to celebrate who he is and watch him go to work. What's our responsibility? Our responsibility, have a conversation. We're not we, it's not up to save somebody. It's not up to us to win anybody. We share our story. We present, we have a conversation and let God do the work. That's all we're responsible for. The 1%. If we can do the 1%, our community is going to say these men and women have turned the world upside down. By simply having a gospel conversation. So my question is, how, how are we doing? I want to throw a little monkey wrench in your, in your, in your calculation there, though. This is incredibly difficult. Let's just say it honestly. Incredibly difficult. Have a gospel conversation with somebody you don't like. That's not fun. Those people at work, that one guy that he can't say one sentence without swearing like five times, and he's very creative in how he swears, so it, it gets interesting. You're like, I don't want to talk to that guy. And so we don't. Well, I'm saying this is incredibly this is incredibly difficult on our own strength and our own power because the love that's required to do this sometimes it's not within you and I. I mean, don't get me wrong; some of you are amazing people, but this kind of love, this kind of grace, this kind of mercy that it takes to have these gospel conversations that we turn the world upside down—they're not it within a lot of us. And so we have to rely on a power greater than us. We talked about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We rely on the Spirit of God because God promised, again, in His living, breathing Word, He promised that His Spirit is available to us. We have the Creator universe has made His Spirit available to you and I. Power is within him. The power to love like we're called to love. The power to show grace like we're called to show grace. The power to show mercy like we're required to show mercy. It's in him. And so we rely on the Spirit of God to be able to do our gospel conversations. I'm telling you this because I think a lot of people try to do the one percent on their own. I got this, Pastor. I don't. I don't I'm good. I'm, I got. This. I can do this. You might for a little bit. You might for a little ways. But it's going to become a point. You need something stronger than you. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I'd like to invite you to go on a journey. A journey of discovering the Holy Spirit. Maybe here for the first time. You're like, oh, I knew the Pentecostal would get us. I'm not trying to get you. I'm just inviting you to be open about the Holy Spirit. Open to praying and asking God maybe to teach you about the Spirit of God. We'd love to have conversations with you about the Spirit of God. 
we believe that's where the power comes when we have these gospel conversations. The gospel's conversations, when you're, when you're having a conversation with somebody and the Spirit of God gives you a word for that person, you say, hey, I don't know why, but I just feel like I should tell you this. And that person is like, whoa, what happened? How did you know that? They're quizzing you. They're like, did you talk to my mom? You know, you talk to grandma? No, 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 no. That only comes through the Spirit of God. That's what we need today. We need the Spirit of God living and breathing each one of us so we can turn this world upside down. So I'd like to, honestly, would you honestly start this journey? If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, start this journey of learning more about the Holy Spirit. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to walk on this journey with you because we believe this is how we're going to make an impact in 2023. We've got people who are hungry for the Spirit of God, who are flowing in the Spirit of God, who are having gospel conversations in the Spirit of God, who are working, operating in that power. Remember, don't get freaked out about the Spirit of God. You read Acts chapter 2, everybody's like, oh, that's crazy. What was it about? It was boldness. It was power for the harvest. Holy Spirit, everything everything to deal with the Holy Spirit always points to God. If it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit. And so I just pray that you, you, you consider this as we're talking about gospel conversations this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, guys, pray this morning. Guys, we, we begin having these gospel conversations that we do not leave your spirit out of these gospel conversations. Lord, I pray that there be some hungry hearts in here this morning. Some hungry hearts that are, that are searching, that are wanting more. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to speak to them about the Holy Spirit. God, I know there's some hearts in here who are, who are, who are, who are seeking the Holy Spirit.